0: Now, there is a secret, and uh, that secret is submission. Submission is literally the secret key to spiritual leadership. If, you're, if you seek leadership in the church, whether you want to lead a ministry or you want to lead uh, an effort, a project, you want to lead a uh, ladies' ministry, you want to lead a Bible class, you want to lead any kind of function at all, in the church, the secret is not control. The secret to leadership, in spiritual leadership, is submission. Howard uh, Hendricks sat on a plane. Many of you have done this. You've sat on a plane on the deck because the plane wasn't taken off because it's lined up. Have you done that? Sit there for an hour, maybe two hours, just waiting. And well, you're not really sure what you're waiting for, but you're waiting. And he was doing that. He sat in the plane, and, you know, sometimes they get hot, and they're miserable. And uh, the longer you wait, the more irritable everybody becomes because you can't get out, you can't do anything, you're sitting on the plane. And so that's what was happening. He was on this plane, and everybody was getting more and more irritated. But what got Howard Hendricks' attention was how gracious one of the flight attendants was being. You know, at a moment when everybody's losing their cool, she's maintaining a poise. And she's being very polite, very kind, very attentive, trying to keep everybody happy. And uh, so when they actually took off, he took the time to call her over and to say that he was so impressed with how well she behaved and how well she handled herself when people are being nasty to her that uh, he said, I I was just amazed at your poise and I really want to write a letter of commendation uh, to your airline, to your boss, to your employer. And this is the way she replied. She said, I don't work for the airline company. I'll work for Jesus Christ. And she said that just before going to work for that airline, She and her husband had sat down and they'd prayed together that she would be a good representative of Jesus Christ every time she was working. What a great attitude, right? Submitting to God is to be done out of love and out of gratitude. Dr. Stephen Alford, uh, who died back in 2004, from 1918 to 2004, he was kind of a 20th century Christian leader and he knew Billy Graham really well. In fact, He was a personal confidant of Billy Graham. uh, And Billy Graham called him the man who most influenced his ministry. He said this. Listen to this little sentence. You may have heard it before. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. If Jesus is not Lord of all, that means all that's in your life, then he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of everything in your life, he's not the Lord at all. Because the Lord is Lord of all. Warren and David Wearsby, I don't know if y'all have probably heard of Warren Wearsby, radio program and other things, and he's published a bunch of books, just about a commentary on every New Testament book. But they wrote a book together, the two brothers, and it was called Making Sense of the Ministry, because they were both in ministry. And this is their theme, and and uh, to me, it's it's really revealing about ministry in general. It says the authority of ministry is submission. A lot of people want to have authority. They get into ministry even to have authority, but the authority of ministry is submission. And you may not even understand that, but he's they're absolutely right. Uh, just give you kind of an insight. Since December twenty twelve. Uh, All my sermons pass before the elders before I preach them. I haven't preached a single sermon to you that wasn't approved by the elders before I did it. Um, There are topics that they have made off limits to me, but that's their prerogative. Uh, That's called submission. I'm good with it. In fact, I kind of like it. Uh, I've seen potential elders and potential deacons and potential ministers who had no business ever having those positions. Uh, and the reason is they could not submit. Uh, if you have to be the boss and you can't submit to a boss, you got no business being a boss. Immaturity says, that's not fair. And then it's usually followed by a temper tantrum. And we call that little children having a fit in the grocery store. Well, when you get grown, the temper tantrum is, I'll file a lawsuit. Yeah. At the church, sometimes it displays itself by jealousy, by bitterness, by anger, by backbiting by slander, by gossip. These are all forms of dissension, which is actually, what is dissension actually? It's actually an unwillingness to submit. I'll do it every way that's my way, but I won't do it your way. That's dissension. Um, life, life can be hard and can make you stubborn. In a few texts, and particularly with Israel, slavery seems to have played a big hand in making them rather, rather stubborn. They actually got better as time went on. But when God first delivered them from Egyptian slavery, they were quite stubborn. And, and I'll give you a postulation about that in just a moment, because I think that's normal. Exodus 32, verse 9 says, The Lord said, I have seen this people. Indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. And implying that all people were not stiff-necked, right? Uh, Deuteronomy 10, and verse 16 said, Be stiff-necked no longer. Second Chronicles 30, and verse 8, Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield to the Lord. So, implying that the first generation that left were stiff-necked people. So God calls us to a higher plane, and that higher plane is to lower yourself and submit. So that's kind of interesting. A higher plane is to lower yourself. So how could that display itself with you? You and I, slavery is a thing of the past, praise the Lord, in America. But you might have a harsh boss or a harsh family situation, or you might be treated unreasonably by someone. Being treated unreasonably can make you a little more sensitive. You understand what I'm saying? A little less willing to be compliant. Um, And that's something we all need to pay attention to. So if you've got a harsh boss, you may need to pay attention to that. Stubbornness is actually worship, but it is worshiping at the feet of the idol called self. If I'm stubborn... I'm basically worshiping me first Samuel 1523 rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry so when I am just stubborn I am an idolater and the idol I am worshiping is me that's a false God <laughs> you are not God and neither am I So we need to be careful about being stubborn, amen? Be very careful about that. Uh, I want to look at four ways that Christians display grace and submission based upon what Peter is teaching in this book, particularly in chapters 2 and 3. As you know, we've been going through Peter. So here is the lesson. That's the whole lesson. But if you'd like, if you have your Bibles open, you might turn with me and let's read these together and I'll show you a few things that I can observe. You may observe other things. We display grace and submission by submitting to our magistrates, the people who run government offices. In 1 Peter 2, verse 11, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, we're not meant to live here forever. This America is not going to be in heaven. We're just sojourners through America. It's a wonderful country. But we only sojourners. I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, or the nations that are out there, that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, Glorify God in the day of visitation. So right now they say ugly things about us. But when the Lord comes back, they'll say, you know, I knew that guy and he actually did do the right thing. And I was saying ugly things about him. Verse 13. Therefore, submit. So here's the submission. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Which ordinances do we not have to submit to? Yeah, that's, that's a problem, in it? Because it said every, every, didn't it? Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Not for your sake, for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are set by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, it's difficult to do this because you're usually, for example, presidents, we usually vote for one group, and then the next president, we vote for the other. So one half of the country's mad all the time. Y'all ain't noticed that? Pretty much one half the country's mad all the time. And because of that, uh, a couple of years ago, I, I decided I would just stop voting. And because as a minister, I need to be minister of all and not minister of some of you. Because about half the church is one way and about half the church is the other way. And it's not easy To submit to every government, but we're supposed to. Everyone. Amen? It's not easy. And so I'm not advocating that for you. You're not in the business I'm in. I recommend you vote. Vote often in the morning, afternoon. So we display grace and submission by submitting to our magistrates. We also. Display grace and submission in this text, if you're with me, in First Peter 2, starting in verse 18, by submitting to our master. So not only do we need to submit to the, the men that control us out here, whether the police officers or the military or the government, we're supposed to submit to them and try to respect them. Try not to say ugly things about them. That's our duty, like it or not. Verse 18 servants be submissive to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the harsh you know that's a tough thing to swallow isn't it you i guarantee you, you've had somebody that was harsh to you haven't you it's just downright unfair and harsh if you haven't you're very young It might be your parents. Verse 19. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Sometimes you try to do the right thing and you can get fired for it. I'd rather be fired for it than to do the wrong thing that violated my conscience. Wouldn't you? Verse 20. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. If you did wrong and you get punished for that, that's not a credit. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently. Now, it's one thing to take it. It's another thing to take it patiently. Are you hearing what he's saying? Yeah, we all take it, but can you take it patiently? This is commendable before God. God rewards and blesses you for taking it patiently. Wow. Uh, Verse 21, for to this you were called. I mean, this is a part of the call to follow Christ because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. How did he behave? Verse 22, who committed no sin. He wasn't guilty of anything. They killed him. He had not committed a sin. He had not violated one law. He wasn't guilty of anything that day. He was not allowing himself to be killed because he had done wrong who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. He wasn't lying about anything. He was telling the absolute truth, and still they killed him. Verse 23, who, when he was reviled, I mean, you remember how the high priest said ugly things to the Son of God, right? Uh, Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. He could have listed every sin they ever committed in their entire life, and he said nothing. When he suffered, he did not threaten. They poked him, they punched him, they put thorns on his head. That's before they even beat him, that's before they killed him. And he didn't respond. He did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Why would he do that? Because that's what you're being called to do. Whether you like it or not. Verse 24, who himself bore our sins... In his own body on the tree. He didn't deserve that. He did that for you and me. Why would you go through that? For the sake of those that you might be able to witness to. That we having died to sin might live for righteousness. But those, but by those stripes you were healed. I mean his suffering is what makes us right before God and heals us eternally. Verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd. And overseer of your souls. Now, you may think, because I'm saying this kind of stuff, oh, well, you're just afraid. You're afraid to stand up against. At 17, I was going toe-to-toe with my principal at school and my counselor at school who shouted at me for about 15, 20 minutes. So it's not a case of being afraid. I've stood against not only a principal, I've stood against director of a, a preacher training school. And I've stood against several elders in wake of potentially being fired. I have no problem being fired for standing for what's right. Do you? No. But you better be right. If you're not right and you do something like that, you're in serious Serious jeopardy because you're not being submissive. You better balance it. Don't assume you're right. Check yourself. By the way, I've not always been right, I've been wrong a few times in what I did. So we display grace and submission by submitting to our masters. Whoever is over you is your master. Like it or not, your boss, your manager, Whoever. Number three. We display grace and submission by submitting to our mates. That's right. Is that only apply to women? No, that applies to both. Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-one begins the text on that subject by saying, Submit to one another in the fear of God. Now what does that mean? Well, let me read the first Peter three, one through seven one first. It says, Wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands. Now, I have to tell you, ladies, that there's far more emphasis placed on women submitting than there is on men submitting in a marriage. You know that, right? You do know it. Okay. If you know it, you have to show it. Uh, That even if some do not obey the word, wait, now, I'm willing to submit to a man who would obey the word. And do everything right. Well, that's not really necessarily submission like we normally think. If if, if anybody tells you to do this, somebody walked up to me and says, "Rex, you're going to go to the kitchen and have some ice cream right now." I don't think that's submission. I think I'm more than happy to do that. And you give me a minute to be my idea. So I'm not sure that that's submission. But if I was told, uh, I had to go and pick poke salad all day long. That might be a bit of a problem. Without a word, and I pick poke salad, by the way. That even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. It's suggesting that attitude of submission could actually win a heathen husband to the Lord. Verse 2, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And that would be really important. The last thing you want to ever do, ladies, is make your husband doubt your commitment to him in a chaste way. And if you rebel, I don't know if you know this, but because the way men think, the first thing they think when you rebel is, is, he, is she seeing somebody else? Now, that's not the reason you're doing it, because that's not the way you think. But you've got to understand, men think like cavemen. And they think everything's about sex. I was probably not supposed to say that out loud. Verse 2. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. uh, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing a gold, or putting on the... Fine apparel. By the way, it means merely. It's okay to put that stuff on, but don't let that be the only way you dress up. Verse 4. In fact, I'm all for it. Put it on. Praise the Lord. Verse 4. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. By the way, that's very precious in the sight of God in a man. It's not just precious in the sight of God for a woman. Verse 5. I mean, because anybody can punch it. I mean, you can hit somebody with a helmet. Verse 5. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Verse 5. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Talking about, really, Sarah. Verse 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. I mean, obviously, if a man's terrorizing you, a whole different system kicks in. Verse 7, husbands, now here's the kick. Husbands, likewise, likewise, I mean in a very similar way, dwell with them uh, with understanding, giving honor. That means you submit your honor, Right? It's not all about you being respected. Ooh. Did you get that? I know with men, that's a big issue, right? Respect. To do it right, respect her. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So. This is a one another thing, Ephesians 5, 21. Yes, there's an emphasis on the wife, but there's a one another thing. And, and you want to call yourself a Christian, but if you can't submit to your wife or you can't submit to your husband, you're not paying attention to what really matters. Uh, the last thing is we display grace and submission uh, by submitting not only to our masters and our mates and and the magistrates, but also to our members of the kingdom. It says in 1 Peter 3, beginning of verse 8, Finally, all of you be of one mind. Talking about the brethren, the congregation. Right? All of us should be of one mind. Having compassion for one another. That means there is no special member. Right? One another means we all are equal here. Amen? Amen. So we have to have compassion, have the same mind, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous. Don't be discourteous, right? Hold a door. You see your brother struggling with the weight, help him carry it, right? Be courteous. Uh, and, and especially with your mouth. Verse nine, not returning evil for evil. Somebody says something smart, I like to eat. Well, I'll just say it right back or reviling for reviling, that is not the way we are to talk to each other. There should not be little, amen, ever. By the way, it doesn't really work behind their back either. But on the contrary, blessing. If you want to say something to somebody, they said something nasty, you just turn around and say, well, bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Uh, knowing, and I'll pray for you later. Uh, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Verse 10, so that's the way we treat each other in the kingdom. For he would love life and see good days. You want to have a good life? Let him reframe his tongue from evil. Quit saying ugly things to each other. And his lips from speaking deceit. Don't you lie to your brother. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace. And pursue it. Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He's watching all of you closer than anybody on the planet. And his ears are open to their prayers. You say something ugly to your brother. He's liable to pray about you. You got that? His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He will deal with it. Philippians 2 clearly teaches that we're to esteem others in the kingdom better than ourselves, not less than ourselves. So submitting, so grace and submission, how do we display that? We display it in how we treat anybody who's over us in the governmental officials, magistrates of any sort. Uh, we submit to our masters, whoever's over us, to manage us and control us on the day-to-day business and our work schedule. And submit to our mates, that is, whatever their needs are. Not be, We must be willing to step in and do what they need us to do. And then by submitting to our members, not just tending to my own needs. We need to learn to be patient with the stiff-necked. You're all, we're always going to have stiff-necked people in the church, right? That's always going to be the case. There's always going to be somebody that's, you're not telling me what to do. You know, it's always going to be the case. Uh, Why should you be patient with them? Because you don't know what made them that way. You don't know what kind of boss they've got. You don't know what kind of mom and daddy they had. You, You don't know how they've been kicked all week long and now they're just sore headed. You don't know that. So be patient with them. Be patient with the stubborn So that maybe they'll learn to join you in trying to be submissive. So, um, that's the lesson. Um, Proverbs 16 verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. And he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Why do we need to be so patient? Because they're not submitting can end up destroying their life and their soul so once you run against somebody in the church and you're going to that's going to offend you you're going to run into that if you haven't you will be patient with them because their soul could be on the line it's critical seat belts don't you love them they can be a hassle Maybe not so much as he used to be. Uh, they used to be an option. You remember when they were an option? I remember when uh, baby seats were an option. I remember doing this. You may remember that? Driving along and he nearly plowed into the windscreen several times. Stopped him. And about that time they came in with this awful rule that you had to have a chair for him to sit in. Y'all remember that? That was so awful. Couldn't believe they did that. People just don't want to be bothered sometimes when there's little laws that come in, like buckle-up laws. Uh, Anybody got a ticket? Don't raise your hand. Anybody got a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt? Well, there's a New Zealander. This was on API. This is a true story. Uh, His name was Ivan Segedin. Ivan Segedin, uh, S-E-G-E-D-I-N. I don't know how you pronounce that. It's probably pronounced differently than that. He took uh, kind of an extreme view. See, the police had ticketed him 32 times over five years for not wearing a seatbelt. They got where they knew him, and so he would not put his seatbelt on. He just would not do it. It became a point of contention. It was costing him big money he would not wear his seatbelt, so much so that he got so aggravated at being ticketed so many times not wanted, he just hated wearing a seatbelt. He didn't want to be confined, you know. He didn't want you the government that deeply into his life. He didn't want the government telling him what to do. If he wanted to not wear his seatbelt, he could go and not wear his seatbelt. Even though it was the law, and as you know, a good citizen, you're supposed to try to obey the law, right? But he just couldn't give in to that. So instead of obeying the law, he decided to come up with a really good deception. So he made a fake seatbelt. That's right. He made, he got a seatbelt that looked like his seatbelt, tied it on to the seatbelt thingy above his head where it would drop over his shoulder just right when he got into the car. So he wore that laying over his shoulder. It didn't attach to anything so that, you know, when a police car pulls up behind you, they can tell whether your seatbelt's on or not, right? You've seen that, right? If you've been pulled over, you you know they can see it. They can see into your car unless your windows are too tinted. So they, they can see into your car and they can tell if you got the seatbelt on. Well, he had that lapped over shoulder and so he wasn't getting any more tickets. It was a great thing. But the trick worked too well. He had a head-on collision. He's thrown forward onto the steering wheel and it killed him. The coroner described the fake seatbelt like this. Though his car was fitted with seatbelts, an extra belt with a long strap had been knotted above the seatbelt on the driver's side, providing a belt to simply sit over the driver's shoulder. He got what he wanted, and he's dead for it. Now, maybe that's an extreme example, but for our own sakes, our own safety, our own salvation, we have to learn to Submit. You know, will you submit to the gospel? Christ submitted to the cross. He only asked you to submit to the gospel. He's not asking you to be literally beat to death. You Will you submit to the gospel? Paul submitted to the call of grace. Will you? Will you submit to the gospel of grace? With the submission there is believing, repenting, Confessing Christ, being baptized, living for the Lord. It's not easy. This lesson may actually be the hardest lesson on the planet to learn. It's one easier to preach than it is to do. It's easier to teach than it is to learn. It's easier to talk about it in a Bible class than it is to do it. Because we all tend to be kind of like that guy. I really don't want anybody telling me that much about my life. But we need to learn to submit, don't we? Amen. So if you're here tonight, you've never submitted the gospel of grace, the invitation is yours. Nobody's going to judge you. It's what we all must learn to do by submission. Won't you come if you need to while we stand and while we sing?